Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Thank you for tuning in to Season 3 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and I'm very excited to say that we're beginning this new effort, the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts, and I hope that you will tune in to all the various podcasts on our network, and uh, there are many to choose from, and I just hope that you will give all of us uh, a listen frequently, uh, like our pages, and and share the podcast with your friends, and give us ratings, and, and that will help us out a lot. Now, in this Season 3 of the Everyday Christian Podcast, we're going to emphasize preaching a lot. Uh, Not every episode, but a lot of the episodes I'm going to be talking about preaching. And one of the things that I want to mention is that preachers are not special in the sense that uh, they should be exalted above other Christians. In fact, preachers are everyday Christians who get to preach from the pulpit. That's one of the things I want to emphasize this season of the Everyday Christian Podcast. And to get started with that, uh, beginning this month, what we're going to do is we're going to have some sermons that I have preached, and we'll convert those over to the podcast so that you can hear some of these sermons. And the first sermon that we'll have is a sermon I titled, A Lesson on Humility, from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. This was preached October 4th of last year, and I enjoyed preaching this, and I hope that you will enjoy listening to it. One more programming note before we get started with the sermon, and that is where we're headed for the rest of this season. And Lord willing, we'll be talking about some methods of evangelism. We're going to talk about Christian evidences. And then in April, I'm going to begin a series for two months in April and May, That will finish out Season 3 of this podcast with a series called For the Love of Preaching. And one of the things I want to do is to encourage young men who are thinking about going into preaching to do so. So I hope that you will join us for Season 3 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. And now we will begin a lesson on humility. In Matthew chapter 18, a question was asked of the Lord. That was one of those questions. You ever had just one of those questions? You you just ask, really? Why in the world did you ask that? In Matthew chapter 18 again, the question comes up, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? These disciples can ask the Messiah any question that might come to their mind, and that's the one that comes to their mind in this passage. Who's the greatest? Really? Seriously? Well, we're going to address that uh, question tonight. I have to wonder, I cannot speak for Christ, and I don't know what he was thinking, but I have to wonder if he was thinking, really? You're going to ask me this? I do know that Jesus has a response to this, though, and that will be our subject this evening. We're going to talk about humility tonight. Matthew chapter 18, verses 
1 through 11. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. And what's interesting in this text is the first few words, at that time. The King James Version says, at the same time. Well, anytime you see words such as that, it's a good idea to read before that time. And one of the things that I find interesting is in Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27, this question that comes up about taxes. Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27, reads as follows. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From who do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes, from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first, and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Now, I find it interesting that this question is raised about taxes, and I kind of picture the disciples thinking about this and thinking about taxes. Maybe that gets their minds thinking about Caesar and taxes there and how Caesar being the highest rank in Rome. You can easily see how their minds may have drifted and began to wander into the next subject that is covered in Matthew chapter 18. Just conjecture, of course, on my part, but it is something to wonder about. How the human mind can get to think about this and this and this, and before you know it, we're way out uh, off track. Well, let's go ahead and get into our text, Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 and following. Matthew 18, verses 1 and following. At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Again, I have to wonder if Jesus is confused as to why in the world they'd ask this. That's not the best question to ask. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For our offenses must or for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. We want to make some application regarding this passage. 
this evening. And first application that we want to make is that we must become like little children. Verses 2 through 4. Why is Jesus calling their attention toward this little child? The reason for this is because they're asking a very prideful question, aren't they? And he's pointing to a polar opposite of pride. He's pointing to a little child. Have you ever met a child who was not pure? Now, we understand that children grow up, and at a very young age, they start to learn sin, right? They're learning to do bad things. But are they accountable yet? Not early on. At some point, they reach an accountable age, but early on, they're not. They're learning things, but they're still pure. They're, they're um, not accountable yet. Have you ever met a child who was prideful, who was arrogant? Think of a little, very small child. I've never met a toddler who was arrogant, per se. Now, they may start learning that, and by the time they're five, six, seven, eight years old, they may be a little bit arrogant. And as they grow into adulthood, arrogance really can flourish. But a small child, naturally, I don't think is going to be arrogant. It's something that they learn. Sometimes it's something that is taught to them. Arrogance. Think about this. When a little child is born, they're all sitting around in their little incubators. One, if they could talk, says... I'm the biggest baby in this room. Eight pounds, six ounces, pff, ten pounds. The one next to him says, ha, I'm 11 pounds, I got you beat. Do babies do that? Well, of course not. It's absurd because they can't talk, but also because they're not that way. They're taught to be that way. My mom's better than your mama. But we teach them. To be arrogant. This is something I want to caution us about this evening. We need to be careful. Son, you are so much better than everybody else on the team. Let me tell you what. You're going to play for the St. Louis Cardinals one day. Go Cardinals. Should we encourage them? Absolutely. If they're good enough, may they play for the Cardinals one day or the Rangers or what have you? Perhaps. But do we want to give them this superiority complex where we say, look how much better you are than... Joe over here. We need to be careful about that. We don't want to teach them arrogance. Daughter, I'm so proud of you. You are way smarter than all your classmates. Now, we want to encourage our children. We want to let them know, hey, you're smart. Good job. You did your best. I'm proud of you. But we don't want to give them a sense of arrogance. All right, let's look at verses 5 and 6. Again, that passage or Verses 5 and 6 reads, Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus now expounds upon the fact that because these little children that he's pointing to are pure, they have not reached accountability yet to the point, uh, the point in their life where they are accountable and guilty. They may have done some things, but they're not guilty yet. They're pure. 
But if you take one of these little children and you show them sin, you teach them to sin, arrogance or what have you, whatever sin may be, you're teaching them to do that, what are you doing? You're ripping their innocence away. And at some point when they do reach that accountable age, you helped aid them to their destruction. What does Jesus think about that? He despises it. How dare someone take the innocence away from one who is pure, this little child, and teaches them to sin? That's what he's saying here in verses 5 and 6. Verse 7 says, Woe to the world because of offenses. They're going to happen. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. The fact of the matter is, the older that children get, the more that they learn, they will learn to sin. They're going to come across it. And try as we may to shield them from it, to protect them from the effects of sin, they're still going to see it. And they're still going to pick up on it. And sadly, they will participate in it. And we pray that they learn from those mistakes when they do make those mistakes and they repent. And certainly we pray that our children obey the gospel, they become Christians, and they give it their absolute best. But they're still going to come across sin. Offenses will come, but woe to the man by whom the offenses come. Again, if we are responsible for leading others into sin, Christ has a woe for us if we're doing that. Well, application number two. We must be willing to go to the extreme to get rid of offenses. Jesus says that. Essentially here, beginning in verse 8. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Now what sins might one commit with the hands, with the feet, with the eyes? You know, sometimes the, the children, again, speaking of pure little children, what do they like to sing? And what should we encourage them to sing? Because it's a good concept that's taught in this little children's song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. That concept that is taught in that song is, is taken right from the pages of Matthew chapter 18. What kinds of sins might we commit with our hands? You know, hands represent doing we do things with our hands. And so doing sinful things. Feet represent uh, going. Going places we ought not have any business going to. Eyes represent looking at things we ought not have any business looking at. We need to shield our eyes from those things. Are we committing sinful acts with our hands? Cut them off. Are we going sinful places with our feet? Cut them off. Are we looking at sinful things with our eyes? Pluck them out. Now, he is using exaggeration for the sake of emphasis here. 
But it's a very important point that he's emphasizing here. We must understand that we can get in a lot of trouble going places we ought not go, looking at things we ought not look at, doing things we ought not be doing. Verse number 10. This is in the context of what we're discussing. And so I'll include it, but I'll just go ahead and say this. It's a doozy. Verse number 10. You can look at a lot of commentaries and what in the world is being mentioned in verse number 10. Let's read it. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. This context, these pure children that are teaching us humility, which is required... We must be humble in order to be saved. And so he says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels. Now, the pronoun there, or the adjective there, is describing whom? These little ones. The children. Okay? Grammatically, we can figure that out. In heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, Jesus Christ said that. Now, I'll go ahead right off the bat and say this. I don't know exactly what he meant by that. A lot of people who believe in guardian angels, this is their primary passage to say that. And they'll say, see, children have guardian angels that are always protecting them. There's one problem with that, though. Sometimes children do get hurt, don't they? Sometimes we lose children. And we know that God's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't protect that child, but not this one, and this one, but not that one. So I have a problem with that interpretation of this. But again, what does he mean by this? could be that these angels are messengers. In fact, that's what an angel is. It's a messenger. Messengers looking after children. I don't know, but this is certainly a very interesting verse here in Matthew 18, verse 10. Something to wonder about. J.W. McGarvey uh, is a brother and, and very conservative, I believe, and he seemed to point out in his commentary he tended to think toward the guardian angels. But, again, uh, that's not what I gather from this. In the words of Mr. Gump, that's all I've got to say about that. So, let's conclude this passage with verse number 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came to save that which was lost. Now, he's talking about pure children. And he's talking to his disciples who asked a not-so-good question. I've always heard there's no such thing as a dumb question. But I don't like this question that they asked. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're missing the point. Why are you looking for a ranking structure to heaven uh, of men? And we know God are above all men and angels as well in heaven. But why are you looking for a ranking structure of men in heaven? I just want to get there. If there is a ranking structure, I'll take the last spot. But they ask this question. In verse 11, we, we wrap up this section. He says, The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. He came 
He lived for us, sinlessly perfect. He taught us. He gave us the perfect example. He fulfilled every prophecy. He obeyed the Father's will. He willingly went to the cross and died because of our sins. He took the punishment that we were due. And he came to save that which was lost. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.